Huh, good morning. morning. How's everybody doing this morning? That's what I like to hear. It's good to hear you guys chatting away this morning as well. That means y'all are ready for today's lesson, right? Because sometimes y'all are kind of dead on me, right? No, no one's saying it. Y'all make me look bad when visitors come, right? So you guys, you guys have got to chat it up with me this morning. No, I love you guys, and I'm so glad that you're here. We want to welcome all of our visitors that are here with us today. I do have one, one announcement before we get started. Any of our young people that are planning to go to SunQuest, my wife Julie and also Becky Bishop needs to meet you down front for registration today. We've got to make sure everybody's registered and we're going to have enough hotel space and so forth. So if you will, just make sure if you're planning on going, uh, please make sure that you come up and register this morning after our services are over. All right, well, you guys can see right now we're in a series entitled Walking in the Light. And if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and be turning to 1 John, that little bitty letter or that little bitty book that's all the way back, in the very back of our Bibles. It's a small letter, but it's very, very powerful. And uh, listen, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's okay. There should be one in the pew in front of you that you can use. You can also follow along with me on the screen behind me. I'm, I'm going to put most of the scriptures up there. So um, just, just make sure that you can stay with me today because here's, here's how we do things. I'm just going to read a little bit and then I'm, a, I'm just going to explain you know, what, what we've discussed. And, and hopefully as we get into God's Word and start looking at some of these things, we're going to walk away blessed and hopefully stronger in the Lord. But 1 John chapter 3, and, and really we're going to start in verse 19. Now we're going to back up and look at a couple of verses in just a few minutes, but we're going to start in verse 19. And, and let me say this too. If you haven't been here for the last two weeks... When we began this series, we've already covered chapter 1 and chapter 2. If you've missed, don't worry about it. You can uh, get onto our podcast. You can uh, also get onto our church Facebook page. And we also have a church web, website that you can get on and you can go back and listen to any of these lessons so that you can kind of catch up. But today we're in 1 John chapter 3 starting in verse 19. And this is what John says. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and He knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. Okay, so, so let's just stop right there and let's discuss just a little bit. I hope already you can see what John is referring to in these, these first set of verses that we're looking at. John is referring to to prayer. In, in fact, if you back up to verse 19, notice what he says about prayer. He says, we, why church? We come or we stand before God. And, and I absolutely love that because not only does John here in our text talk about what prayer is, he talks about where prayer happens. 
right? And, and I think so oftentimes we don't think about this, but here's the deal. Prayer is when we come into the very presence of God. And, and, and I, again, I, I just, I, I don't think, I know there have been times when I haven't really thought about that. I mean, think about this. When we pray, okay, we come into the presence of God. Prayer is that place where heaven and earth touch. Prayer is where humanity and God comes together. And John says, listen to this, John says we can step into that place. And so I really want you to think about that this morning. And in fact, let me, let me read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. This is what the Hebrew writer says. So let us come boldly to the white church, to the throne. Do you hear that? We, we come into the very throne room of God in prayer. And he says, there we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Now, here's the question that I want to challenge us with today, okay? As, as we talk about prayer, as we talk about the presence of God, why is it that oftentimes we don't utilize that, or, or let me rephrase that. Why, why don't we take advantage of that? Why don't we go into the presence of God? Why don't we talk to God more? Just let that resonate just for a few moments. I mean, if, if God is, is offering this, I mean, if, if He's really saying that when you... Talk to Him in prayer that we actually come into God's presence, then why aren't we spending more time doing it? Does that make sense? If you and I at any time can step into the presence of God, then why aren't we taking advantage of that more? And, and one of the things that you're going to see John point out in the Scriptures that we're looking at today is there are oftentimes several barriers that can keep us from coming to the very throne room of God. There, there are three barriers that, that often keep us from praying. And, and we're just going to look at all three of these barriers this morning. And here's the first, and, and as we go through these, what I want us to do is just kind of do some self-evaluation. You know, as I, as I go through all of these, just kind of look at yourself and say, man, are any of these things keeping me from talking to God, from, from coming into God's presence? And here's the first, the unknown. And here's what I mean by that. When we talk about prayer, there's almost a mystery to it, right? Like when we come into God's presence, how, how does He meet us? And, and is there like this, you know, magical set of words that we've got to say for all this to happen and, you know, we've got to speak it at, at just the right time for us to come into His presence? And, and, and when we pray, what's, what's going to happen? And, and so there's just this unknown side uh, when, when we talk about prayer. In, in fact... 
Even the way we oftentimes talk about prayer as Christians makes it seem like we don't see prayer the way John does here in our text. There was a study done a while back. A hundred people were asked, when you pray, where does your prayers go? What do you think the number one answer was? Up. And some of you are like, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I would have said. I mean, that was, that was the number one answer. When people were asked, when you pray, where do your prayers go? And the answer was up. Now, what do we communicate when we say that? That God's up there. And we're down here. That we don't come into His presence. And, and when I'm praying, you know, I'm just kind of sending up prayers to God and, and, and maybe God hears them and, and maybe God doesn't. And in fact, I've had people say that to me. Man, there have been times when I've, I've been praying to God and, and I don't know if He got them or not. And it's just this idea that He's up there, I'm down here. But, but the way John describes prayer for us, and this is a game changer for me, that when I'm, when I'm praying, I, He's not just up there somewhere. I come into His presence. The Hebrew writer says, I am right there in the very throne room of God. But here's the question. If that's true, that we come into the presence of God when we pray, the question is this, do we really want that? Do we really want to come into His presence? Is that really the kind of relationship with God that we want? You know, maybe you want more of a text message type of relationship between you and, and God. I, I know that there are some relationships that I have, and I'm just going to be brutally honest this morning. There are some relationships that I have that I want to be solely text message relationships. And, and what I mean by that is I don't have to come into their presence to carry on a conversation, right? I can just text and, and send it out. Listen, I, I have lived in the day when we had no text messaging. In, in other words, what I'm telling you is I know what it's like to have awkward, uncomfortable, unwanted conversations with people. But today we can just text. And man, we just we absolutely love this text message relationship for the first because for the first time we don't have to be present. You know, we can just send all of our questions and all of our ideas and, and all of our frustrations and all of our feelings through a text. And then, you know, we can just, well, move on. But that's not the kind of relationship that God wants us to have with Him. In fact, when you and I pray to God, we are fully present with God. And God is fully present with us.
And again, I challenge us to, to think about that. Because of the work of Jesus, we now have direct access to the Father. Remember, after Jesus died on the cross, what happened to the veil in the temple? It was torn in two. There was no longer this separation. We no longer have to go to a priest or, or some other person, you know, who will mediate between us and God. When Jesus died on the cross, the curtain, the curtain came down. Now we can have direct access to the Father. So that any time in the day, we can come into the presence of God and He is fully present with us. But here's the thing, we believe that God is fully present with us. And, and we believe that God is omnipresent. In other words, we believe that God can be at all places, at all time. But it's on us, right, to be fully present with Him. Because even though, even though we know that He is accessible, it doesn't mean that we're taking advantage of it. And even though He's omnipresent, he's, he's with us all the time, you know, oftentimes it can feel like we're not with Him. How many of you have ever been in a room with a, with a lot of people and yet you felt alone? Or how many of you have had a disagreement with or an argument with someone and, and, and because of that argument, you're not talking to one another, you're just kind of giving each other the, the silent treatment? In other words, there's this barrier that's keeping you guys from being fully present with each other. And so in a similar sense, I'm asking you this morning, what does your prayer life look like? When it comes to you and God, how would you describe it? Is it like that text message relationship that I described to you just a few moments ago where you're just kind of throwing prayers up, you know? And now it's on Him. Think about a lot of our prayers. We, we pray as we get ready for the day. We, we pray as we get ready to eat a meal. We pray before we go to bed at night. But here's the thing. When we pray, does it feel like we're just throwing things up there? Or when we pray, does it feel like we're right there in God's presence talking to Him? When we pray, are we blocking everything else out and everyone else out as we come into His presence? Making time for Him. I think about what the Scriptures say about Jesus in His prayer life. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and He went out to a what church? To an isolated place to pray. In other words, Jesus got off to Himself. He blocked out everything and everyone, and He just made some time to come into the presence of God. 
Just a few chapters later in Mark chapter 6, verse 46, it says, After telling everyone goodbye, he, that's Jesus, went up to the hills by who? By himself to pray. Again, it's this idea of he's blocking everything and everyone out. And he's just making time where he can come before the Father. Now let me also stop right here and say this. Our prayer time shouldn't just be circumstantial. And you guys understand what I'm talking about here? We shouldn't just come into the presence of God when things get difficult. Does that, does that make sense? We, we shouldn't just want to come into the presence of God when we've lost everything and we don't have anywhere else to turn. And again, we look back to Jesus in Luke chapter 5, verse 16 in His prayer life. Notice what it says. Jesus, why church, said out loud, often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. In other words, this wasn't something Jesus did occasionally. Jesus would often, He would continually get off by Himself, whether it was into the wilderness or it was up into the hills or down by the Sea of Galilee. He would often withdraw, break away from everything and everyone, and, and He would make sure that He was spending time with the Father in prayer. And we should want that. Even for those of you who may not believe in God or don't pray regularly, think about this. Don't you find that there are times where you cry out to God? Be honest. And the question is, what is that? Well, it's when our humanity gets exposed and we come to the end of ourselves. And the deepest part of ourselves reach out for a God beyond what we can see, feel, or know here on this earth. And what I would say to you and what I want to encourage you with today is this. You don't have to wait for that moment. You don't have to wait till you're at the end of your rope. You're at the end of yourself to decide, man, I've got to find someone. I'm, I'm just hoping there's some being over the chaos in this world who will listen to me and see me through this. Listen, you don't have to wait till that moment. You can come to Him right now. He would love to hear from you. Well, John mentions there are two more barriers to prayer here in our text. The first is the unknown. The second is our actions. When it comes to coming into the presence of God, there's, there's a mystery to it at times. And, and maybe we're not comfortable you know, going into the presence of God. I mean, there, there have been people throughout my 27 years of ministry who have told me, they're like, Slate, I, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what prayer is about. I mean, could, could you just talk to God for me? And, and so there's this mystery to it. It, but also there's this connection with our, with our actions, how we live, that can often affect how willing we are to go into the presence of God. And John talks about this. Verse 19, he says, Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will, why church? Be confident when we stand before God. 
Okay, so what John's talking about here is our confidence that we have when we come into the presence of God. And here's the deal. If we're not living right, if we're not walking in the light, if we're not following after Jesus, I can tell you God is the last person we want to be in the presence of, right? You see, our actions can not only keep us from loving other people well, well, our actions can keep us from experiencing more and more of God's love. Because when we're not living right, we don't want to be around a God who is completely right and holy. And I think a great example of this is found in the Old Testament. If you look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, if you remember, it was Adam and Eve who sinned first against God. They, they sinned. They did what God told them not to do. And, and they had this very close relationship with God. But notice what happens after they sin. Then the man, that's Adam and his wife, Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And how did they respond? They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. In, in other words, because of their actions, because of their behavior, because of what they had done, their sin, they wouldn't be in the presence of God. They, they hid themselves. Well, the way John talks here, is when we begin to follow Jesus, our actions should change. And as I said last week, it doesn't happen overnight. And, and maybe you thought it would, and, and maybe that, that's kind of bummed you out now that you've become a Christian. You just thought that, man, when I give my life to Christ, I'm just going to be completely different all at once, and I'm not going to have any struggles, and I'm not going to go back and do those same things again. But look at, look at the way John talks about it. And we're just going to back up now to verse 9. I told you we were going to back up. Look at what he says in verse 9 of 1 John chapter 3, our text. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a what church? A practice of sinning. And, and that's very important. John, John is not saying, we talked about this last week, that when we come to Jesus, we're no longer going to sin. No, what John says, when we come to Jesus, we're no longer going to practice sin. We don't justify it. We don't explain it away. And he tells us why. Because God's, why church? God's life, the ESV says, God's seed. The NLV says God's Holy Spirit is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. And, and I love the way the ESV puts this. I love this imagery of a seed because here's what's happening. What John is talking about here is the idea of justification and sanctification. And some of you are like, Slate, what are you talking about? Those are words I don't use all the time and, and they're kind of big words. So I'll kind of break them down. Justification is that moment when we come to Jesus and we begin to follow Him. And John says, at that moment, God plants His seed in us, His Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And God lives in us. 
and we're justified. As, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the old life is dead and the new us begins to come to life. And we're, we're justified. But then from that point on, the way we would describe our lives is, is sanctification. And, and it's this process of that seed, the Holy Spirit inside of us growing, and it bears more fruit. And as that seed grows, it takes up more and more space in our life, making it harder for us to sin. And so we don't desire sin as much as we once did because really, honestly, we're enjoying this new life that we have in Christ. We've, we've come to see what a blessing it is to live for Jesus. But John says, be mindful of your actions because that could keep you from going into the presence of God. And then he gives us these two contrasting Examples. He, he points out two, two different people here in our text. The first one's found in verse 11. He says, this is a message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like who, church? Like Cain, who longed or who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. And so the first person that John points out is this guy by the name of Cain. And Cain, if you don't already know this, was a son of Adam and Eve who we mentioned just a few minutes ago. And Cain had a brother by the name of Abel. And when Cain and Abel grew up, they went and they offered sacrifices to God. And Abel's sacrifice was accepted, but Cain's wasn't. And man, he was so frustrated and he became so angry about this that in a fit of rage, guess what? He killed his own brother, Abel. John says, don't be like Cain. In, in fact, um, as, as you look at the text, you begin to see why Cain killed his brother. And it was because Abel was doing what was right. And there may be someone here this morning who needs to hear that. You're, you're trying now to live for Jesus. And so what's happening is you may have noticed that there's some tension with some of the relationships that you formerly had. Maybe it's with people at work, or maybe it's with people within your family. Maybe it's with some of your friends. But, but you've started feeling like there is some tension in these relationships because you are now trying to live for Christ. And what I would say to you this morning is your feelings are right on. That there are going to be people as you get closer to Jesus, who are going to become more uncomfortable with you. And that's not a sign for you to stop. In fact, let me encourage you to keep going. Keep walking in the light. Keep living for Him and trusting Him. Well, God comes to Cain and He confronts him about what He did to Abel. And well, look at Abel or look at Cain's response. Genesis chapter 4 now, verse 9, Afterward the Lord asked Cain, Where's your brother? Where is Abel? 
Look at Cain's response. He says, I don't know. He says, am I my brother's guardian? In other words, what, what Cain is saying to the Lord here is, look, I'm not responsible for my brother. I don't know where he's at. You see, at the root of Cain's sin was selfishness. That's when our actions are so tied up in what we want all the time that it keeps us from doing what God is calling us to do and who God is wanting us to be. And so John says, don't be like Cain. And then he points over here and he says, be like Jesus. And look at what he says. Go back to our text, verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? And, and so you see this contrast. I mean, over here you've got Cain who is a son of the devil, John says. And, and over here you've got Jesus who is the Son of God. And over here you have Cain who, you know, takes the life of his own brother, where over here you have Jesus who sacrifices his own life for his brothers and his sisters. And John says these are the options. These are the choices. Listen, if we're really living the life that God has called for us, then we will be some of the most unselfish people in the world. we got to move on. Our last one. We talked about the unknown and our actions and, and when our, our, you know, our life is, is not lining up with who you know, God wants us to be. Oftentimes what happens is we feel guilty, which leads us to our, our last barrier, and that is our feelings. And, and John, he does a great job of, of addressing this. Look at verse 20. He says, even if we, why church, feel guilty. How many of you have ever felt guilty about something before? How many of you have ever felt guilty in your relationship with God? You know, you, you know what the Bible says, and yet you went totally against what God told you to do, or maybe you didn't do something that God told you to do, and, and so, man, you just felt guilty, maybe even to the point where it's like, man, I, I can't even talk to God. I, I can't even... I can't even pray. But notice what he says, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and He knows everything. Listen, if we feel guilt... We're not going to want to go into the presence of God. But here's the deal. John says, even though you may feel something, it doesn't mean it's true. Again, God is greater than our feelings. And I know that that is so counter to our culture today because our culture says that feelings are ultimate today, right? Our, our culture tells us, look, if it feels good, then it must be good. Our culture says, listen, if it feels true, it must be true. But I don't know about you, but there have been times where my feelings failed me. 
Anybody relate to that? Maybe you had some feelings about, you know, some sort of investment. Or maybe you had a, a certain feeling about some sort of relationship. This is, the, this is the one. Or maybe you had some feeling that you needed to do this, you needed to do that, and, and you know, it didn't end well. And you began to realize that your feelings at times can be very, very wrong. But see, the deeper we give in to this thinking, it's all about feelings, the further we push ourselves away from God. Because we exchange our feelings for the faithfulness of God. And so here's what we know. Feelings can tell us something, but only God knows everything. And again, our feelings are real, but we need to go to God to tell us what is true. But the question is this morning, do you ever feel too guilty to come before God? Maybe in your mind you think, God could never love me after what I've done. God could never forgive me after what I've done. If we can get past those feelings, look at what John says is on the other side. And we'll close with this. Verse 21. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with what church? Bold, Bold confidence. And we will receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and we do the things that please Him. And this is what the Bible would call an abundant life, a, a blessed life. On the other side of guilt is this connection with God. How many of you want a connection with God? Right, everybody's going to raise their hand. <laughs> but do we really want a connection with God? Do we want it? Do, do we desire it? And, and I think most of us would say yes, but oftentimes we try all kinds of other things to have that connection. I just knew a little bit more. If I just did a little bit more, and the truth of the matter is that connection comes when we come to Jesus. Because He's already paid it all. And our feelings may tell us something different, but God's assurance tells us that that's not true. God has already paid the price. And it doesn't matter how good we've been or, or what we've done. We can never be good enough and we can never do enough. Jesus paid it all. And we need to trust in Him. Who God says you are, that's who you are. Who God sets free is free. God desires a relationship with every single one of us. And the good news I'm sharing with you today is you don't have to wait for it. We just have to trust all that He's done for us and come to Him. And so the question is to you today, do you need to come to Jesus? 
Do you need to give your life completely and, and totally to Him? Again, it doesn't mean that you're just going to be completely changed instantly, that you'll never sin again. But it means today you can give your life to Jesus and all your sins will completely be washed away and through the blood of Jesus, that blood will continue as you go to Him and confess and repent of the sins in your life. Jesus will continue through His blood wash you clean. It may be today that some of you need to put on Christ in baptism. Today. You've talked about it long enough, and today you need to do it. You need to step out in faith, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that He paid the price for you, and commit to your life. Commit to Him your life, having all your sins completely washed away in His precious blood. Or it may be that there are some of you here today that just need, you need prayer. You know, you, you need... You need that time with God, but maybe there are so many things that are distracting you or there are so many things that are hindering your, your prayer life and, and that's created a lot of frustration for you or, or maybe it's created a lot of anxiety for you. And, and, and I would encourage you to listen and challenge you to pray more. Come into the very presence of God and we would love to pray for you today. We, we can come together as a church family and pray for you and pray for each other and lean more on each other because that's what we were designed to do by God as Christians. And so if you need to respond today for any reason, we also have the cross up here. If, if you want to lay, lay something at the cross today, I myself, the elders will pray over that for you throughout the week. But whatever, whatever the need is today, once you come together, we stand as we sing.